Today, we're going to continue our series with Philemon. Let's turn to Philemon 17 to 22 together. I've entitled this one, Be the Gospel. Philemon 17 to 22, the word of God reads. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. And if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can, that you're speaking to us through this book of Philemon. Even during the lockdown, you're challenging us to truly be a brother or a sister in Christ. And Father, we pray, God, that you'll help us take all of these teachings to heart. Speak to us so that we may not walk this journey alone. But Father, that we might truly understand what it means to be the church and to grow to be the church, your church, your body. And so, Father, we pray that you'll help us, give us insight, give us your wisdom, convict our hearts, God, so that we might be that for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, have you ever noticed that there are some relationships within our lives that we're kind of just content to leave broken? Do you have any of those relationships? You know they're broken, but you're just kind of, you're not going to work on it. You're kind of just content to leave it broken. Maybe it's with a family member. Maybe it's with a workmate. Maybe it's even with a church member, someone you go to church with. And for some reason, any effort towards reconciliation just has come to a standstill. You know, maybe we even have friends that are in relationships like that with their families or with other church members. But here's the question, you know, as Christians, is that okay? Is it okay for us to those to just leave those relationships broken? And if you're a Christian, probably within your heart somewhere, I bet you're feeling that the answer is probably no. And and I think you're probably right. But the challenge is this, right? I mean, I mean, how do we take steps towards reconciliation when There are so many strikes against us when, you know, the history, the bad history is so deep and so high or when you just don't like the other person. And I don't know if I really want to reconcile with them. And that's where our message kind of comes in today. You know, what I love most about this letter and is is very simple. What I love most about this letter is that this letter never had to be written. You know, the Apostle Paul never had to really write this letter. You know, Onesimus one day comes up to Paul and says, hey, I'm going to go back to my master Philemon in order to reconcile the relationship that I broke with him. And Paul could have simply said what? What we would probably say, right? Oh, that's so awesome. That's great. Go reconcile. I'll pray for you, you know, and, and that would have been enough. And that's probably what I would have done. Maybe we would have done the same, but not Paul. You know, he steps in. And then he decides to write this letter, doesn't he? And, and, and today we're going to discover that he's not just writing a letter, but he's doing something much more powerful. He's becoming the gospel to both these guys, Onesimus and Philemon, in order for their relationship to be reconciled. And that's absolutely beautiful. You know, we always hear messages, don't we, at church or maybe even at CG. And the application is always something like, you got to be like Jesus. You got to be the gospel. And maybe you never knew exactly what that meant or what that looks like. Today, we get a picture of what that looks like from the Apostle 
Paul. You know, we're continuing our series in the book of Philemon today. And let's just review the story just in case. I don't know if we've done this for a while, but Philemon was a Christian. And he was a slave owner who lived in the city of Colossae. And now Philemon was no ordinary believer, but he was a committed, dedicated Christian who served his church very honorably. Now, Philemon had this slave named Onesimus who not only escaped, but most likely stole some money from him. And um, and so, but then on his freedom journey, this slave Onesimus providentially runs into Paul and becomes a Christian. And after he becomes a Christian, he decides to help Paul and partner with Paul to do his ministry. But as he's doing that, all of a sudden God convicts this heart of Onesimus, this slave, to go back to his uh, master and to make things right and to reconcile. But the thing is, the punishment for a runaway slave back then in that culture was death. And so knowing that, he still decides to go because he just wants to be obedient to God no matter what the cost. And when Paul sees that, he's like, hey, hold up. Let me write you a letter. And he writes this letter to Philemon advocating advocating on behalf of Onesimus, encouraging Philemon to practice true fellowship, true koinonia, true love towards Onesimus and to receive Onesimus back as a brother in Christ. This is the story of this book of Philemon. But once again, Paul's not just making a request here in this particular passage, but he's choosing to embody the gospel so that true reconciliation can happen between Onesimus and Philemon. And my prayer today is that as we go through this passage and as we go through all these points today, I hope this example inspires each one of us to be the gospel in our lives as well. And in these verses, Paul actually makes three requests. Now, in all honesty, if I went through all those three requests, we'd be here a while. So let me just sum up what each one of these requests are. Number one, he's asking Philemon to completely receive Onesimus back as a brother, but more than that, to treat him as if he was Paul. You know, Paul knows how much Philemon honors him and respects him. He wants Philemon to treat Onesimus in the same way. Number two, he then says, hey, if Onesimus has any debts he needs to pay you back for, I'll pay them back. I'll pay him back completely, right? The history books kind of tell us that it kind of takes a lot of money for a runaway slave to, to run away. And so we, we're kind of thinking that the money that he maybe stole is a lot. And so there might be a good amount of money to pay back. Number three, here's the third request. Uh, Paul is asking Philemon to refresh his heart. Now we saw that word refresh before, you know, at the beginning of the letter. And it basically means that word refresh means to love in such a way that makes other people want Jesus more. And so Paul is asking Philemon to love Onesimus in such a way that he would want to live for Jesus even more. Those are some pretty heavy requests, aren't they? You know, but the truth is, he's really just asking Philemon to be what a real Christian is supposed to be, isn't he? I mean, Christians are supposed to live each day being the gospel to others so that other people can see Jesus, experience Jesus, and know Jesus through us. And so today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share three ways on how we can be the gospel to others today. And if there's relationships that need to be reconciled, that's the whole point. We need to be the gospel so that relationships between one another, maybe relationships between people and God, can be reconciled. So I'm not only going to use this passage, but I'm also going to uh, use 2 Corinthians 5 to help us as well. But here's the point. How can we be the gospel? And the point, here's the main point. The main point is this. In order to be the gospel, 
We just have to follow Christ's example. We just have to literally copy what Jesus did. If we want to love and serve others in this world, then we just have to copy how Jesus did it. You know, and Paul does that for us in our passage today. And 2 Corinthians 5 is going to give us a little bit more insight as well. So I'll refer to 2 Corinthians 5 as we go along. But there are three ways that we need to be the gospel to one another. Um, Here is the first way. Number one, view people with God's eyes. Philemon 17. Philemon 17 says, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. You know, in Philemon 17, it says this, you know, Paul asks Philemon to welcome Onesimus in the exact same way that he would welcome Paul. And you have to realize how radical a request this really is. I mean, if I was Philemon, I'd be like, wait, hold up. You want me to treat this runaway slave that hurt me, this runaway slave that stole from me, this runaway slave that deserves death. You want me to treat him in the same way? That I would honor and serve you, my spiritual father, which Paul was. And the answer is yes. And I'm sure finally would be like, why? Why would I do that? And the answer is actually found in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, verse 16, which says this. It says, from now on, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Do you read that? Let's read that again. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one. From a worldly point of view. Though we even once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. What is this verse saying? This verse saying is, this, what this verse is saying is that if you want to be the gospel to other people in your life, you need to change the way you view them fundamentally. And it's not just one person, but all people. We need to now see all people with eternal eyes, meaning not how we want to see them, not how we want to label them or like, you know, as the world does, but to see them as people that God loves and that God has an eternal plan for. You know, I know when you think about some people in our church, you know, we look around or we think about some people in our church and I bet there are some people that come to mind, you know, and when you think about them, you're like, wow, they're these guys are totally worthy of salvation. I could totally see why God saved them because they're so nice. That guy is so nice. He's so genuine. That that girl is so generous and so sincere. It totally makes sense that God would save them. They're such a great example. But then there's probably other people when you think about, you know, in the church that you're just like, you know, I don't know why God would save that person, you know? And, you know, it's like that guy is so sus. He makes me feel all weird. That woman, she's so wicked, man. <laughs> you know, or whatever. We have, and we have all these judgments. And that just proves that we're just looking at them through worldly eyes, doesn't it? It does. You know, and what this point is saying is that we need to start learning how to spiritually train ourselves to know this, that if God deemed that person worthy enough for Jesus and worthy enough to be saved, then he, and, he also, and if he also has an eternal plan for that guy's life, then no matter how sus or wicked that guy looks, we need to see that person just like God does. I mean, who would have thought, right, reading your Bible, that a prostitute like Rahab or a shepherd, the youngest of so many you know, sons like David, or a baby born in a manger like Jesus, or maybe the greatest persecutor of all Christians like Saul, who would have ever imagined that these guys would have been the people that were used powerfully for God. No one, only God could see that, right? 
Good thing God sees people differently than we do. We need to see, we need to change. We need to fundamentally change how we see people. And our calling, therefore, is to honor and serve and love those people so they can live out God's plan in this world. And that's what the church should be about, right? If anyone should be looking at people not as who they are today, but who God is going to use them to be tomorrow, it's the people in the church. And this is who we should be about. And so we can no longer look at others with the worldly point of view. We need to start seeing people with God's eyes. So here's the question. Do you look at other people as people whom God has an eternal plan for? Do you look at your parents like that? You know, have you ever even thought that way? You know, do you, do you think the way you treat your parents would change if you saw your parents not as parents, but as people that God has an eternal plan for? It totally makes you it totally changes everything, doesn't it? What about your workmate? Or what about that annoying church member that you go to church with? It would change massively for us if we were to start seeing those people as people who God has an eternal plan for. And that's what it means to be the gospel. God calls us to treat all people and to see them as he would. But being the gospel, that you know, it begins by choosing to see them as God does. Secondly, I, I, I label this one as give, learn to give your pain to God. Give your pain to God. I know it sounds weird, but you'll understand in a, in a moment. Philemon's 18 to 19. Philemon 18, 19 says this. It says, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Here, what Paul is saying to Philemon is this. Hey, Philemon, if, if Onesimus has done any wrong to you, or if he owes you anything, I will pay it back in full. If he has a financial debt to you, I will pay it back in full. If he's done any wrong, I will make it Right. Now, what you have to realize is that Paul was not rich whatsoever. You know, he made tents just to support himself. So he's volunteering to do a lot of hard work for a long time to pay off this financial debt. Or he's even volunteering to serve Philemon as a slave if need be. Whatever Philemon thought might be fair. But the question is, why does Paul do this? And the answer is so that Onesimus and Philemon can be reconciled. You know, if, if you think about it, Paul gets absolutely no benefit here, does he? But he's realizing a huge spiritual principle that all of us must internalize if we actually want to be the gospel in the world today. And that's this. Somebody has to pay the penalty for sins in order for a relationship to be reconciled. Somebody has to pay the penalty for sins in order for a relationship to be truly reconciled. And Paul is volunteering to pay that penalty here, isn't he? But where did he learn this? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says this. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is this verse saying? This verse is saying that oh, when our relationship was broken because of sins, 
Christ, who was the innocent third party, had no sin, paid the penalty for us so that we could be reconciled to God. Someone's got to pay the penalty for sin in order for a relationship to be truly reconciled. And Christ did that for us. Now, if I'm honest with you, I, I originally kind of, um, uh, my original title to this point was pay the penalty on behalf of others. And I, and I just thought it'd be a great idea if we would pay the penalty for other people. Just like Paul's paying the penalty for this relationship to, re, to be reconciled, you know, we can pay the penalty for other relationships to be reconciled. But then I thought, oh, that's a little bit weird. You're not going to go around looking for relationships to be reconciled. Oh, let me pay the penalty for that. Oh, let me pay. The, it doesn't even work sometimes like that, right? Um, but if you can do that, and there are if there are relationships that you could pay the penalty for, if you can somehow right the wrongs that have been done and it'll reconcile that relationship, go ahead. That's beautiful. That's awesome. But my guess is, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But that's okay because the real issue that's going on in this passage is this. The real issue that Paul is addressing here really is the heart of Philemon, isn't it? Philemon's holding on to these hurts that he suffered from Onesimus. You know, have you ever hold on to have you ever held on to hurts that other people have hurt you with? You know, the hurts that you refuse to forget. You might have even told that person, I forgive you, but it's not like you trust them anymore. It's not like you like them anymore. Yeah, you have that right in the back of your mind. It's always right there, isn't it? Philemon was exactly like that. And as a result, Philemon was holding on to these judgments. He was holding on to hatred. He was even holding on to his right for justice and revenge. And what that really means is that Philemon was holding on to sin, wasn't he? rather than Christ. I mean, even though he knows that Christ died for sins and paid the penalty for sins, he's not surrendering those sins to Jesus, but he's using them as justification to not treat his brother in the same way that God would. It's only when he gives those sins, it's only when he surrenders those pains, surrenders those pains to God, and surrenders judgment, surrenders hatred, surrenders revenge to God, can reconciliation truly happen? You know, I learned this very powerfully in my late 20s with my relationship with my dad. And I know I share this story many, many times. You know, when I was growing up, uh, uh, my relationship with my father was not good at all. You know, we were never close. Even after becoming a Christian, there was so much painful history that reconciliation almost seemed impossible. You know, I even hesitated to go into ministry because how was I supposed to tell people to be reconciled to God when I refused to even reconcile with my own father? But uh, but I tried, you know, I, I tried to love him with these puny acts of love, puny acts of service. I tried to do things like hold my tongue and not yell back at him, things like that. But in the end, what God helped me realize was this. He basically helped me realize that I had never truly surrendered my hurt to God. I had never really surrendered the hurt I felt like was inflicted upon me by my father. I never surrendered those hurts and those pains to God. And because of that, reconciliation was impossible because I constantly carried that hurt. I constantly carried that pain and I used it as a shield. I used it as a weapon against my father. And whenever you're, you're operating out of hurt and pain, there's no way reconciliation can happen. No matter how much you say you're trying to reconcile that relationship. And so in reality, my father was really no longer the problem or the issue in our relationship. I was, you know. But the thing is, love doesn't carry hurt or judgment. The gospel doesn't do that. God 
doesn't do that. No matter how much we hurt God today, his mercies are new every morning, aren't they? It's like he presses the reset button every day. He formats the hard drive of our sins every single day. Theologically, what he really does is he places all those sins upon his son. And that was something that I learned that I needed to do as well. And the moment I did, the moment I surrendered and gave up my hurts and my pains to Christ, the moment I surrendered all of my rights and entitlements to get back at my father, whatever it was, to God, the moment I surrendered it all, that's when I truly became free. And I began to see my father differently, not as my earthly father who caused a lot of hurt in my life in the past, but as a child of God whom God actually has a powerful plan for. And the moment that all those hurts were surrendered to God, I was now liberated to love my father deeply and truly and genuinely from a position of love and not using my hurts and pains, you know. My guess is that there are many here today that need to surrender their sins to God. There are a lot of relationships that we leave, you know, broken, don't we? And there's a lot. I bet there's a lot of sins that we need to surrender to God. Not just our own sins that we're holding on to, you know, but maybe even the sins of others that we're holding on to. Philemon needed to surrender all those to God, and so do we. Only then can we be truly, can we truly be the gospel in, in other people's lives. And so I hope you choose to surrender those pains and to give those pains to God today. Lastly, we need to invest ourselves in people. Philemon 20, 21, it says this, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. There are two things that Paul is saying here. And the first is this. Remember, he asked Philemon to refresh his heart in Christ. And we say that to refresh means to love in such a way that makes others want Jesus more. So Paul is asking Philemon to do steps one and two. That's basically what he's asking to refresh his heart. Do one and two. Right? Be the gospel by seeing Onesimus through God's eyes and by giving all your pain to God. And the reason why he asked Philemon to do that is because God is going to ask him and God is asking him to do even more. What is that even more? It's to invest himself now fully in Onesimus. If Philemon truly sees Onesimus not as that slave that hurt him or that stole from him, but as a person that God has an eternal plan for. And if Philemon can give all those sins committed against him to Jesus so that he could be liberated to love, then Philemon can now invest himself completely in helping Onesimus become all that God has saved him to be. You know, I'm sure that Philemon didn't expect that request. I mean, who does? Truthfully, from a worldly point of view, that's so unfair. You know, I'm sure Philemon would be like, I'm the victim here, Paul. Why, if I'm the victim here and everything, all the bad stuff happened to me, why am I the one that's called to surrender? Why am I, why are you telling me that I'm the one that has to love when everything was taken from me? That just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't from a worldly perspective. But it does from God's perspective, doesn't it? 2 Corinthians 5, 21. We just went over this verse. But let's, let's, let's review it again. It says what? It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is something we need to learn. Christianity, 
is not about what's fair. Christianity is not about what's fair in our eyes, is it? You know what's fair? What's fair is that every sinner should go to hell. That's what's fair, right? What's unfair is that an innocent man had to pay the penalty for our sins. But God didn't stop there, did he? Even though we were the enemies that hurt God, that sinned against God, he not only sent his son, this innocent man, to pay the penalty for all of our sins. What did God do for us the moment that he made everything right with us? Did he just forgive and forget and leave us alone? No, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us himself completely to be with us 24-7, 365, eternally. Why? Why did he commit himself to us? Why, did he, why, why was he fully invested himself? Why did he fully invest himself in us? And here's the answer. It's not just to do what's best within our lives because that's what he wants for us. But it's to keep on doing his best until his will comes to completion in our lives. Isn't that what it says in Philippians 1.6? Philippians 1.6 says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? What it says is God will never stop investing in us until he sees his will completed in each one of us. He is committed. He is fully in to each one of us. He didn't stop at salvation. He didn't stop at forgiveness. He is fully invested so that his will can be done in us. And he's not going to stop until it's completed. And that is who we need to be for others if we want to be the gospel in other people's lives. Christianity is not about forgiving and forgetting and making yourself feel good that you did. It's not about just doing what's right. The last step to being the gospel is being fully committed, being fully invested in others so that God's will and plan for their lives can be fully committed, just like God does for us. You know, I had so many older brothers and sisters in my life who believed in me so much throughout my years. And I am who I am today because of them. You know, I remember when I was a uni student and, and when I looked in the mirror and all I saw was this pimply faced, lazy ass, bare minimum procrastinator. You know, they saw a leader. They saw a praise leader. They saw a future preacher. You know, when I looked in the mirror and I saw a broken son from a broken kind of a, you know, broken family, a broken brother, and, and what I thought was a broken family future destroyer. I didn't even want to get married because I thought I'd destroy a family. They saw a godly husband. They saw a loving, healing father. They saw a generous brother in Christ. When I looked in the mirror and all I could see was a trail of destruction that I had left behind from my inability to have proper friendships and relationships with others in my life, they saw a lover of people. I am who I am today because of people who lived out the gospel powerfully in my life and never gave up. They still don't give up today. And experiencing that, you know what the other benefit is? It proves to me how much God is really invested in me. The church desperately needs people like that today. Just like Philemon, we are the ones that are called to be a source of refreshment to others, to make others want Jesus and become like Jesus because of our gospel example. And all of us can. If God saved you, then he's saying that you can and he wants to use you in that way.
So can I just ask one thing of you? Can you just do that for one person? See them with God's eyes. Continually give all of your pain to Christ because you're going to experience it over and over again. And then continue to be fully invested. You'll never regret being fully committed and helping someone become more like Jesus. Even if it hurts you. Even if it doesn't turn out the way that you hoped it would. You know, that's like the life of every single pastor. But this is the way I see it. I just think it's amazing that I get to be a part of your journey to become more like Jesus. And I pray that God uses me powerfully to do that. Will it cost a lot? Yeah, of course it will. Do things turn out the way I plan? Absolutely hardly. You know, absolutely rarely. More often than not, even though I want this beautiful relationship with all of you and, you know, we're going to be one big family and we love each other and we share everything together, all that kind of stuff. The reality is a lot of times it's a lonely, painful, discouraging road to be the gospel in other people's lives. But I continue to do it simply because I believe in the God behind your salvation. And if he says that you're worthy to save, then to me, then you're worthy to serve. Being the gospel is the costly choice. But it's one that you'll never regret. It won't bring you happiness or satisfaction. It won't. As a matter of fact, pain, suffering, and persecution are probably better descriptors of that journey. But it will bring you and those whom you serve closer to Jesus. And he is absolutely worth it. Be the gospel. This is what the church is to be about. Let's pray. You know, there are so many like relationships within our lives that need to be reconciled, aren't there? There are so many. Maybe there's some at home. Maybe there's some at church. Maybe there's some at work or, you know, wherever. But is there someone that you need to change your view on? Maybe you have all these judgments. Maybe you have all these hurts. Maybe you have all, there's this whole history, this whole bank. Is there someone that you need to change your view on so that you can now see them as God does? Someone that God has an eternal plan for. See them through God's eyes today. Give all those pains and hurts of the past to God. Repent of your own sins and lay them upon Christ. Be liberated to love and invest. And then, just like God does for you, build them and be committed to them and help them become all that God has planned for them to be. Let's do that together. Let's pray.
I also want to give another invitation to all of you today. You know, maybe there's some of you that aren't reconciled to God. You can be today. God says that he loves you. But what separates you from God is your sins. You know, your sins broke that relationship with God. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty of all of our sins so that we could be reconciled to God forever and so that we could be invested in eternally to become like him and to be him with all that we are. If you want to be reconciled to God, put your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Put your faith in him and trust him and live for him and become all that he is because this is what you were created for and this is why he wants to save you. So if you'd like to do that, I invite you, can you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Just trust that what he did on the cross pays the penalty for all of your sins and surrender your life to live for him today. Will you do that? Why don't we just pray for people who might be there right now? Let's just pray for everyone in our church that we might all give ourselves to Jesus in that way. What I'm going to do is I'll close this in prayer, then I'll say the benediction. And if you'd like to, please stick around for some fellowship time together. Um, we'd love to get to know you better. So please stick around. Um, especially if you're a newcomer, we'd love to get to know you better. Thank you so much. But let's pray and let's close our service together. Father, we thank you so much for what Jesus did for us. That he set the example of love. That he set the example of the gospel so that we might know you and have a relationship with you that we could be loved and cherished and celebrated forever so that we could understand true freedom that comes in loving others like Christ loved them. And Father, we thank you that you did that for us when we didn't deserve it. So we thank you. We praise you for Jesus. We thank you for all of our sins that have been forgiven. We thank you that you gave us faith in Christ. And we thank you, God, that we can truly give ourselves to you now. Lord, we pray there's so many relationships that are broken. You know, there's so many relationships that are broken within our lives, within this church. So, Father, we pray that the gospel will have power in each individual in our church to heal all of these relationships that are broken so that people will see you and experience you and be attracted to you and to want you more. May the gospel truly refresh all of our hearts through each other. We thank you, God, for that. Empower us. Continue to show us our sinfulness so that we might repent and be more like you. Continually show us yourself within our lives so we can be encouraged how invested you are in us. And Lord, help us to be a church that's continually invested in one another so that we could become sources of refreshment to each other. We thank you, God, for all that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord radiate his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen. 